week five of our sermon, sermon series entitled, I Exist Too. And we've just been covering things that God, we don't just exist just to exist. But God has created certain things inside of us. He's given us certain desires, gifts, and talents for his glory. Amen. And today, we're just going to continue that theme. And just before we get started, just to know that all of our notes, you can follow along on our app. You can download the app, the notes for this message, and all of our messages are there. You can follow along. But this morning, we're going to jump right in. How about that? Amen. And we're going to read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. We read, and then we'll pray. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And today we're going to talk about I exist to be used by God. I exist to be used. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord God, for this moment, we thank you for the moment of worship that we just experienced, Lord God, in your presence. I thank you, Lord God, that our, our praise and our worship, Lord God, that it would bring the proper perspective, Lord God, that we would shift our eyes from our situation and circumstances, but it would cause us to focus and to fix our eyes and our gaze on you, Lord. And I thank you that as we fix our eyes on you and seek your face, Lord God, that everything around us will become still and at peace. And I thank you that the peace that we desire, that we will find that in worship and that we will find that when we've been used by you. And I thank you, Lord God, that you open up our hearts today to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We exist to be used by God. And I just want to stop right here and say this. I don't care what the enemy tries to lie to you about. I don't care what people have said to you. God has created you to be used by him. You online, God created you to be used by him. And that's, it is the greatest honor that I feel like as a human being that God, God's creation is to be used by the creator. That is the greatest joy. And everybody loves to say sometimes, I want to be used by God. But everybody wants to be used by God until it's time to be used by God. We always say, I want to be used by God until it's time to be used by God. And then certain things begin to happen on the inside. Certain excuses begin to form. Certain insecurities begin to show up. And all these things that we can make excuses for, of, oh, we said we wanted to be used by God, but God, I didn't know you wanted to use me that way. God, I wanted to be used, but I thought it was going to look like this. And we could build up this grand expectation in our mind of how we feel God wants to use us. But God says, no, no, no. I want to use you. You just have to follow me and pursue me, and I will show you exactly how I want to use you. And this scripture right here, I love this. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. One of my favorite uh, basketball players of all time is Kobe Bryant. I love watching Kobe Bryant play because Kobe, he didn't create it, but he, he created the phrase, but Mamba, Mamba mentality. And his whole thing was, I'm going to take it by force. He was, I'm not, he was like, when I have the chance to put the game out of reach, I'm going to put it out of reach. And not only that, I'm going to crush your will. 
I'm going to make you feel, I'm going to, I'm going to put so much pressure on you on the defensive end, on the offensive end, that you're just going to want to quit and say, I don't want to play against them anymore. That he was like, I'm going to destroy you. I want to embarrass you. Like that, and that was his mentality that he had, and he called it the Mamba mentality. And when I thought about this verse, I thought about that. It says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So if you think about these times, it says, in the days of John the Baptist. So if you think about those times of John the Baptist, when he was going around uh, preparing the way for Jesus, not everyone was really accepting of the message of Jesus. They weren't truly excited about what John was having to say. And you have Romans and Greeks and Jews and all these different people coming together hearing about Jesus, but not all of them were excited about that. But the thing is, the ones that did receive the message of Jesus Christ, they realized this, that there's something on the inside of them that said, I need to cling to this message. What in the world would cause people to literally abandon their jobs on their jobs and go follow Jesus? What would literally cause people to say, I'm going to sell everything that I have, the life that I live. I'm going to abandon even father and mother to go pursue Jesus because it was something inside of them that they realized I need to take whatever he's saying and I need to take it. But not just take it, but I need to take it with force. And to me, that lets us know this. It says when you pursue Jesus in your relationship with him, there are certain things when it comes to your faith that you're going to have to be aggressive about. You're going to have to forcefully take it. Why? Because the enemy doesn't play fair. And he's going to do everything that he can to discourage you, to make you fearful, to make you afraid. He's going to do all these things. But you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to have to forcefully take what I know is mine. So when you read the promises of God and God says, I want to use you, son and daughter, and the enemy starts to say, well, you can't, God can't use you because you don't have this. Then you say, no, no, I'm going to take it. Because I know if God spoke it to me, then it's mine. But sometimes you're going to have to take it by force. And I love what D.A. Carson said about this. He says, the kingdom has come with holy power and magnificent energy that has been pushing back the frontiers of darkness. This is especially manifesting Jesus' miracles and ties in with Jesus. Jesus' response to John the Baptist. The kingdom is making great strides. Now it is time for courageous souls forceful people to take hold of it. Courageous souls, forceful people to take hold of it. Matthew Poole says this. He says, the kingdom will never be received passively. It is always founded on God's word on our behalf, but God's word will always produce a response in us. They are not lazy wishes or cold endeavors that will bring men to heaven. Lazy wishes. How many of us have lazy wishes? Ooh, it would be nice to do that, God. Ooh, I would love one day to, that would be all, just lazy wishes. There's nothing, no faith that's stirred up inside of us to say, I'm going to seek that. If, God, you put that desire in my heart, I'm going to forcefully take that. But there has to be something inside of us that says, I'm going to take hold of the promises of God. I'm going to take hold of what God has spoken over me, and I'm going to forcefully take it. It's something that you don't passively do. And I feel like so many times, like we want to be passive when it comes, we, we want to be aggressive about everything except our faith. When someone does you wrong, oh, you want to be aggressive about that. Someone mistreats you, oh, you want to be aggressive about that. But when it comes to your faith, 
you just shrink back. Oh, well, if it's meant to be, if it's, if it's God's will, then maybe it will happen. No, no, I'm going to take what God has for me, and I'm going to take it by force. Because I know if God has it for me, then that means there's an enemy on the other side that's going to try to do everything he can to keep me from receiving it. So I have to forcefully say, you know what? I see these friends. I see these situations that the enemy is trying to get me to stumble over. But guess what? I'm going to take by force what God has for me, and I'm moving past all these barriers that the enemy has placed in my way. Pursuing Jesus in the kingdom of God doesn't mean that I pursue it because I want to be a good person and I live a good life. These are some good questions that you should always ask yourself. And these may sound like, well, those are basic elementary questions, but sometimes the basic elementary questions we need to ask ourselves. The first question is this. You need to constantly ask yourself, why are you saved? That's a simple question. Why are you saved? Well, because that's what my mama and my granny and everybody told me when I was growing up that you need to have a relationship with God. Usually, like, if you talk to people and you ask them, like, if they're single, let's say if they're single, and you say, what are some qualities in the in a, in a mate that you're looking for? Oh, I want someone that's God-fearing. I want, I want someone that believes in the Lord. And, and those are natural responses that, that people have an idea of, oh, they have a a glimpse or, or, or a picture of, yes, it should, I should be saved or I should pursue the Lord, but truly and really, why are you saved? Why are you saved? Why do you pursue Jesus? That's another question. Why do you pursue Jesus? Because sometimes, or and I'm going to say sometimes, oftentimes the reason that we pursue Jesus is for selfish reasons. God, I need this praise. God, I need this job. God, I need this house. God, I need this car. God, I need this spouse. God, I need X, 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 Y. And it's like, it's like we're coming to God like he's a genie. And the reason that we're really pursuing him is to get more stuff and to make our life more comfortable and better, not pursuing him because we're desperate, not pursuing him because we realize he's all that I have. Even if I had all the riches in the world, it would mean nothing because I have Jesus. As long as I have Jesus, silver and gold, I have none. But I have Jesus, that's all I need. But oftentimes we don't pursue Jesus like that. We don't pursue him with the desperation and the force that says, I, I need to cling hold to Jesus. Like the woman with the issue of the blood, she took force by what she wanted, for what she wanted. She said, I'm going to press through these crowds, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to take it by force. But oftentimes, we're passive in our pursuit of Jesus. Well, I'll pray when I get there. I don't feel like praying today. I'm tired. I'll get to it tomorrow. But no, no, no. We have to say, no, I am desperate for Jesus. And I'm going to cling to him. You say, well, what does this have to do with being used by God? You're going to see. We're getting there. All of this ties into being used by God. Because if you don't cling to him and you don't forcefully pursue him, you'll never get to the position where you can be used by him. So I'm just laying the groundwork now that says you have to be hungry and passionate for your relationship for God to know why in the world am I pursuing him in the first place? And those are good questions to ask. When's the last time you asked yourself that? Why am I pursuing God? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I pray? Why do I worship? Why do I fast? Why do I go to church? What, 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 are the, what is the desire or the motivating factor in my heart? And I feel like a lot of those questions could be the reason why we feel like maybe I'm not being used by God. Because this is what I know. When you're passionate in your pursuit of God, he will use you. I've never seen someone that was passionate about God that has not been used by God. 
Every person that I know that's on fire for God, they're doing great things for God. And you say, well, well they're doing this. Yes, but it's better than what a lot of people are doing. A lot of people have lucky wishes or lucky wishes. Oh, this will be great if it, no, no. But people that are passionate about Jesus, they're making things happen. Why is that? Because God says, I see that passion and I'm going to use it. And all this has to do with us being existing to be used by God. So what are some signs that show that you're being used by God? And all these things are strategies of the enemy to hinder you and to keep you from moving forward in pursuing the kingdom of God. These are signs you're being used by God. The number one way that you know you're being used by God is attacks. 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 Unexpected things that come up to distract you and keep you from moving forward. They attempt to bring discouragement, fear, excuses, and all other kind of things that come your way. If you are experiencing major attacks and you feel like they don't stop coming, that's a good indication that you're on the right track. If you feel no attacks, (laughs) you might be living a cool life, the easy life. Like we just, tomorrow just mentioned that we read in Acts today. Paul and Silas were busy doing the work of the ministry. And guess what happened? They found themselves in a prison, in a dungeon. Why was that? Because they were getting attacked for doing the work of the ministry, being used by God. So the greater level that you're being used by God in a greater way, guess what? You could just expect more attacks. One of, the, one of my favorite verses to remember and to remind myself of is this. Don't be surprised when fiery attacks come. So why should I be surprised if I'm busy doing the work of God? But how many times do we get surprised when attacks come? I don't know why this stuff keep happening to me. Yeah, because you said you want to be used by God. So when you're being used by God, don't be uh, afraid or don't be discouraged or don't make excuses to say, you know what, this is a little bit too much. It was better when I was not saved. I didn't go through all this when I wasn't saved. I had life easier. I'm telling you, I, about half, half my life now, I've been saved, half I've been unsaved. That other half unsaved, I, if, sometimes it felt like the easy street. I would never go back to that life. The attacks that I face, do I want to go through them? No. But it's a whole lot better being used by God, knowing that no matter what attack I face, he's going to give me the strength to overcome, and I know there's something greater on the other side. Because the enemy just wants to discourage you and attack you in your physical body. He wants to attack you in every area of your life to keep you from moving forward in your relationship with God. Why do we have so many relationship issues? Because he wants to mess you up to get you distracted from doing his will. Because the enemy knows if your relationships around you jacked up, guess what? You can't think about anything else because your whole world is centered around your close personal relationships because God created us to be relational. But attacks. Luke chapter 9, verse 60, it says, But Jesus told them, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now, that can sound like a very ruthless uh, thing that Jesus would tell someone. Let the spirit, because what happens is the backstory to this, the guy said, well, my, well, someone just died, let me go bury them. Because Jesus said, come follow me. He said, oh, well, someone just died, let me go bury them. He said, well, let the spiritually dead bury their, bury their own dead. Meaning that if you want to follow me and you want to be used by me, I don't need excuses. I just need you to follow me. I need you to trust me. I need you to have faith in me that I will take care of everything that you're going through. I just need you to follow me. Don't don't make excuses. Don't be afraid when attacks come. Attacks are a sign 
that God is on the way or that you're, you're being used by God. Attacks shouldn't take you out, and they should, they should always make you run to God's presence and, um, and bring you to a laser focus on Jesus. I'm going to say that again. When you face attacks, what it should do is cause you to cut out the fluff in your life and put a laser focus on Jesus, meaning that if I'm getting attacked, why am I getting attacked? What around me can I cut off that help me focus even more on Jesus and not what's going on around me? That, when I look at attacks, that's what I say. I, I need, okay, obviously I'm being attacked. What can I change on my own to cut off everything else to focus back on Jesus? Because obviously these attacks are trying to get me derailed. It's a great point to say, I need to fix my eyes back on Jesus. Another sign that you're being used by God is feeling tired and drained. Feeling tired or drained. Now, the question for this is, are you feeling tired and drained from your life or being used by God? That's two different things. Some people are just drained from life. Wrong decisions, bad habits, addictions, just life issues, this life itself. I'm just tired from life. And we could get drained. But then there's a being tired and drained from actually being used by God. Those are two totally separate different things. Isaiah 50 verse 7 says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone. One translation says like a flint, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. I know this, no matter how tired or drained that I feel when I'm doing the work of the Lord, he's going to strengthen me and he's going to give me everything I need to continue to move forward. Being tired and being drained for doing the work of the Lord is different than being tired and drained from your life. Because if you're always tired from your life, you'll never be tired and drained for doing the work of the Lord. Because you don't have the energy. You don't have the strength. Because I've met so many people that, I, like, man, God, you just right there on the cusp of a breakthrough. All you have to do is just get your life in order, but they can't do it. They're so tired and drained from just the confusion and the chaos of their life. They can't get past that to say, let God uh, use you for your glory. But they can't get things in life because they're drained and tired from going on from their own eternal issues. The third way that you know that you've been used by God is feeling pressured by the church. That, that's the thing. Feeling pressured by the church. If you always feel like there's something going on at the church and that they want you to be used by the church, it's probably because there is. They always got something going on at the church. Yes, there is always something going on. It doesn't matter what church you go to. I'm talking about what does what God assembles his believers together in a local church. How does God advance the kingdom of God? Through a local church. So whatever local church you go to, if there's new life or another church, it doesn't really matter. If they always feel like, man, there's always work to be done and it's always something to be doing and I feel pressure to do something, guess what? Because there's work to be done. And when there's work to be done, guess what? There's a natural pressure that comes on. Let me ask you this. When you're at your house and you know your house is out of order, you know you need to fold clothes, you need to wash dishes, you need to straighten up, tighten up. Every time you see it, there's a natural pressure that you feel. Don't y'all know, know what I'm talking about? 
you feel that pressure like, oh, I know. And then sometimes you just push it off. Well, I'm going to just, I'll do it when I feel a little, I'm going to just take a nap first and then I'll do it. Or I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to wait till the weekend. But there's always a natural pressure that you feel when things need to be in order. Pressure is not always a bad thing. So if you do feel a pressure by being used by the church, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because what it's saying is God saying, you feel that pressure because this is an area where I want to use you. But if you always resisted the pressure and running, oh, they just want too much of my time. They, well, hey, you don't, don't be used by God because how does God move? Through the local church. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying these are things that we all feel. I feel the pressure. Oh, that's a lot of work to be done. But guess what? Who's going to do it? <laughs> There's a pressure that we all feel. But God says, no, if you want to be used by me, there will be a pressure. You don't think the disciples felt a pressure following Jesus? You don't think Paul and Silas, we read about today, that they felt a pressure? That Paul said that, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me keep moving forward. Let me keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. So this is where we're going to land for the rest of the sermon. And this is one of my favorite verses of all time. It's Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And this is Paul. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing. He didn't say starting. He said for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's a good verse to memorize. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned. You know, a lot of people start the journey. How many truly finish it? I want to be a person that finishes. I'm glad I started. I don't know where I'm at in the process, but I know that I'm, going, I'm working until I finish everything. All of us are in this journey together because I believe that we want to finish the work. Am I right? Do y'all, y'all want to finish the work? All of us want to finish the work that is assigned to us. So I want to talk about these things right there. And, and these are things that God wants to use you in, three areas that God wants to use you in. And when I say use you in, you're going to feel used. Remember, I exist to be used. So if you want to be used by God, don't be surprised when you feel used. Isn't that, a, isn't that funny? We say we want to be used by God, but then we talk about I feel like I'm being used. Well, didn't you say you want to be used by God? He's going to use you. <laughs> Everybody loves to say, let them use you. Okay, let let them use you. And then when you use you, you get mad. You can't have it both ways. But these are three areas that God will use you. The first area that God will use you is your mental capacity. Your mental capacity. God wants to use your mind for the advancement of the kingdom. We all have different gifts and talents, and God wants to use them all. All of us have a beautifully crafted mind, a creative mind that God has given all of us. All of us have different capabilities, different talents, but these are things that God wants to use for his glory. He didn't give you that beautiful mind for you to to boast about how smart you are. He gave it because he wants it to use for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And there's two ways or your mental capacity that we have to think about that God wants to use. The first thing is this, is your testimony. You should always be ready to pull a trigger and share with someone your testimony. Like real quick. Like it should come quick to you. Like so, so when you're sharing with someone, let me share you what God did in my heart. And if you like, well, if, if I were to pull everybody one by one and say, come share your testimony, could you do it in 30 seconds or less? 
or would it be all over the place? And we're trying to figure out, okay, well, you start talked about when you was a baby, and then you went to your grandma took you to church, and then and it, it's like, no, no, let's get to the point where you came to salvation. And it's like, what is that? That means that mentally you have to think about it and craft together. How can I articulate my faith? How can I articulate what God has done in my life? And you should be able to do that in 30 seconds or less. Now, I know it's probably take a lot longer than that, but just the basic bullet points of it, the main meat of it, you should be able to do it in 30 seconds or less. I was like this, and then one day I was like this. And it should be, but that takes, if you never think about it or use your brain to, to, to articulate or to craft how you share your testimony, because think about it, if you try to tell your testimony with someone else and you're confusing them, all they're thinking about is, I don't, I'm not following the story. And if you go on and on and on, they like, I, you lost me. I was with you, now I, I'm, I'm lost. But God wants to use your testimony. The second thing God wants to use is your creativity. Now, I, I, I'm a fan of the, the um, I was about to forget the name of the word, the chosen. I love the chosen. We talk about that all the time. I love how they depicted the character of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector by trade. But his mind was so great with numbers that Jesus said, I have great use of you. And, and all the other disciples kept trying to figure out why in the world would Jesus want to use Matthew? Out of all the people, a tax collector? Because Jesus said, I need the creativity of his mind that you guys don't have. See, your mind doesn't think like Matthew's mind does. And because of that, I have need of you, Matthew. And sometimes people may look at you and say, you're weird, you're strange, you're this. You say, I don't care what you think, God created me like this. He has use for me because of my creativity. But you see, if you never begin to pursue God and say, God, I want to be used by you, you'll look at what God has created you for as a strength, as a weakness. Well, nobody thinks like me. Well, of course not, because God created you that way. Well, no one, no one acts like me. No one does this like me. Hallelujah. That just means there's a specific position and place that God has for you to be used because no one else has created, you, created to do what you have uh, been placed to do. But you have to say, I need to use my creativity for God. And I want to highlight Yolanda. Now, one of the most tedious jobs that you could do is administration. There's a lot of positions that people like to sign up and volunteer for. Administration usually is not one of them. Because it takes a very detailed mind to think through processes, to think through uh, to problem, problem solve on the fly, to, come, to organize and all those. And those things take great mental capacity. And this past week, she, or the last week, was that last week or two weeks? I'm getting my weeks mixed up. She helped out with kids camp. And she did a phenomenal job with not only the administration, but registration and check-in. And you say, well, well, what's the big deal about this? Well, what if there's no registration or check-in? Well, it's going to be complete chaos. Well, we have kids showing up, and they just running all over the place, and parents have questions, and we don't have anyone there to answer them or, or to point them in the right direction. It takes a very detailed mind to say, I could do all these things at one time and still keep my focus. And it takes a creative mind to do that. And you say, she played just the biggest role as anybody else did. But it's a role that nobody probably ever saw her do. But the enemy will try to make you feel like, oh, you have to be out in front to be used by God. That's not true. 
That's not true. There's so many gifts that you can use in your creative mind that God has used. He says, I need your mental capacity. I need your mind. Just give me your mind and I'll show you what to do with it. While you looked at it as a negative, God says, no, no, no. I created you exactly how I wanted you to be for a greater purpose. And I want, to be used, I want you to be used by me in this area. You just have to give them your mind. Give them your mind. The second area that God wants to use you in is your physical capacity. What is that? James chapter 2, verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Meaning that your body is going to have to get moving. (laughs) Your body is going to have to do some work. And work is not necessarily something that we are fond of because we want to be served. We go out to eat at restaurants because we want people to serve us because we don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like cooking. I want somebody to serve me. I'm going out to eat. But physical work is not something. Now, some people love physical work, and that's great. But God says, I need your physical, your, your body, your physical capabilities. And I know there's limitations that, that people have, and I get that. And I'm not saying push yourself past your limits. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that your faith without works is that, meaning that you got to get to work. God wants to use you, and you can do something for God. God wants to use your physical bodies. And you, what does that mean? That means you have to ask, begin to ask questions like, what areas do they need help in? Not what areas do I feel like I want to help in, but what areas do you really need help in? Because the truth is, we want to be used in the areas that we want to be used in. And if you ask us to be used in areas we don't want to be used in, then we got problems. But God says, no, no, no. Ask what areas do they really need to be used in? Because I've been there myself where you feel like someone asked you to do something. You're like, well, why didn't they ask such and such? Because they would be better to do it than me. They, they, they seem like they would be better. And then all this is eternal conversations that you have with yourself. Why, well, why, why didn't? And that's what God says. When you put your physical body to work and you begin to serve, I begin to have conversations with you. And then not only do I have conversations with you, I begin to point out areas in your character that need to change. But you'll never have those conversations if your physical body never gets to work and you never begin to be used by God. How so? I'll tell you like this. Usually, if you're in an area that you don't want to be, God says, I got you exactly where I want you to be. If you're in a place of a service where you don't want to be, God says, I have you exactly where I want you to be because now I can clearly speak to your heart. Because if you was doing what you want to do, then I couldn't really have an avenue to speak to you. But now that I got you where you don't want to be, let me show you how I'm going to use you in a great way in this area. But most of the time, we don't have that. We we get mad. How dare they ask me to do this? I don't want to do this. My gifting is for this, not for this. And God says, you don't know what giftings are inside of you. I'm just trying to position you to speak to you. And when I speak to you, I'll give you a passion for that that you thought you never even had before. But you got to get your body to work. You got to get to moving. You got to, you get, and you can't, and this, I love, I want to highlight our elders, Elder Joe and Elder Tony. Y'all give a hand for our elders. They do a lot of things that go unseen. A lot of thankless jobs that people have no idea that they do. But guess what? They play a vital role in the ministry and advancing the kingdom of God. All by saying, I'm here for service. 
And a lot of things that people say, well, they do that? Yes, because they volunteer in their service unto the Lord. And because of that, they're using, being used mightily by God in a powerful and a great way. Regardless if you see it or not, if I see it or not, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things that they do that I don't see as well. But guess what? Because they say I'm here for service in whatever capacity that it is, I don't have any ego. I don't have any uh, selfish ambition for a position. I'm truly here to serve because of that. God says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm telling you, there are two of the most blessed men that I know. And when I see their faces, they encourage me so much. Just I feel strength when just seeing their face. I just see their smile. And I'm like, I'm strengthened. Why is that? Because they said, I'm here for service and I'm being used by God. And when we all collectively come together and say, God, I want to be used by you, then we say, you know what? It doesn't matter what area it is. I want to be used by God. And God begins to speak. But the thing is, sometimes it can be very, very difficult because I remember a time where tomorrow and I were, talk about your physical bodies being used. We were at one campus, this is back in Baton Rouge, we were at one campus, and we were hosting services, meaning that right after worship, we come up, give the announcements, greet everyone, do all these things. We were teaching leadership classes, greeting people in the lobby. We were doing all these things, and it was like, and we were continually getting more and more uh, opportunities and leadership to lead and things like that, and then, and then, then the change plan. And then the uh, leadership came to us and said, hey, we know that y'all are doing this over here at this campus, but guess what? Hey, uh, Mario, we want you to go over here to head up, set up, and tear down. Set up and tear down? So I'm going from being on stage with a microphone to teaching classes to driving a truck and setting up and tearing down? I said, yes, I'll do it. I didn't think about it. I didn't question it. I said, if this is where the church and the leadership feels like they need help, then guess what? That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do and I'm going to do it with joy. And I'm did I get tired? Absolutely. I was being used. But my physical body, I was like, I'm going to be used. But guess what? That came with a price, too, because one time I was setting I was literally just finished uh, loading the truck up. We loaded the truck up. We dropped it off at the dock. And I'm glad I had another guy with us with me. And I braced my arm against uh, the door. It wasn't a door, but the garage door. It's like in this huge um, warehouse. And so I was bracing my arm to close the door on the trailer, and my arm went through the door, through the glass. And I was like, I think I'm all right. And then I raised my arm, and then blood just started gushing everywhere. And I saw the big gaping hole in my arm. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble. But luckily, he was a police officer. He put a bandage on it. He stabilized it. He got me to uh, urgent care. We got stitches and all these things. Like, what's the point of me telling this story? Sometimes that even though I said I want to be used by God, I didn't know I was going to have to get stitches. But guess what? It didn't matter because I know that just by me setting up, I'm playing a big role in the service. Because if the service doesn't get set up, who's going to hear the gospel? If Elder Joe and Elder Tony don't do their job, then all, it, all, it, all these jobs, like with Yolanda, in, and if you're serving in, like Miss uh, Charlotte and Mr. Malcolm, they served in the cafeteria. If the kids get hungry, guess what? They're not going to be ready to, 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 to hear the gospel because they're hungry. Somebody has to prepare the food. It's like all of us play a role in making an environment easy for people to come in and receive Jesus. 
but all of us take come together and it, everybody plays the same important role. That Just like I'm playing a role here, my role is not the only role. Someone has to welcome people when they come in. Somebody has to do the worship. Somebody has to do the lyrics. Somebody has to run the sound. There's all these different functions that when we put our bodies together, God says, I want to use you, but all of this is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because when the lost come in, guess what? We want to create an environment that they can easily receive. But if nobody's putting their bodies to work and getting to work, then when people come in, it's chaos. But God says, no, I need your physical body. I need you to get to work. Amen. Amen. So the first thing is God wants to use your mental capacity. Second thing, your physical capacity. The third thing is your financial capacity. I see three people running out the back door. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, it says, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some other women who had been cured of evil diseases, of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own what? resources or money to support Jesus and his disciples. And I love this passage because it shows all the different people playing a role for the advancement of the kingdom. At the end, it says that Susanna, uh, Joanna and Susanna, they mentioned them specifically by name, that they were following Jesus. Now, do they do miracles and pray for people? I don't know. But what they were doing was funding Jesus and his disciples. So while they were out doing the work, they said, you know what? I may not do the work and I don't, don't teach like Jesus, but guess what? I can fund it. And there's some people that they didn't, they said, you know what? I can't be at kids camp, but guess what? I can fund a kid going. And that is just as the biggest role as you sit up here teaching the chapel to some kids as well, because everybody's role plays a, a significant part. And I love that they, they highlighted that because some people feel like, well, all I can give is my money. That's well, how do you think the kingdom advances? It don't advance without money. If, if, if we didn't have money, we wouldn't be in here right now because there would be no lights. <laughs> there would be no AC. <laughs> but all those things take finances. What are they, it, that, it goes back to this word, the tithe, the 10%. I'm telling you, if all of us did our part and paid our 10% tithe, just the gross of whatever it is that you make, if everyone did that, there would be no lack in this church. And not only that, but the kingdom would advance at an even greater rate. Why is that? Because the more resources that come in, that means that more opportunities for us to go out and do the other things. But the kingdom doesn't advance without resources. And so why do we ask God to bless us on our job? Why do we ask God for promotions and raises? Yes, for you to take care, take care of all your needs, but also for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And when we do our part, you see, the tithe is what maintains the ministry, but the offering is what promotes it. The, the tithe, it maintains everything that we do. That's just the maintenance. So just, if, just the tithe alone, that's just like the, to keep everything afloat. But when the offering come in, that's what promotes the ministry. That's when we could do things like out, uh, give free lemonade and snow cones. That's where we could go out and give hot dogs and we could do all the different outreaches and the kids camp and all these different things that we could do is because though and, and the life built uh, the um, 
uh, building new life campaign. We can do the, when the offering comes in, this is promoting and advancing the kingdom at a greater rate. But it does take finances. I'm not here to preach and harp on you. I'm just telling you it takes finances to move the ministry forward. The faithfulness of the tithe and offering is what allows people to shoulder the work of the ministry. What does that mean? That means that when there's more responsibility, that means that, mean, that, means that we need more help. And as more resources come in, that means we can hire more people to come in and say, hey, why don't you shoulder this weight? Because this is a great responsibility that needs great care. But if the resources don't come in, then those positions stay unfilled. Because usually the, the positions that need filling the most, are so, I can't ask someone to volunteer to do that. They need to be paid to do that. But it takes what? Money. It takes resources. It takes finances. And all of us are called together. And I'm telling you, when all of us do our parts together, the kingdom of God advances, and God wants to use you through your finances. You say, well, I don't make that much. It doesn't matter. Whatever you give, God can bless it and multiply it. So it doesn't, you don't have to be a millionaire. God says, I'll take whatever it is that you give me. Give me what you have, and I will bless it. Give me what you have, and I will bless it. And God is saying, I want to use you through your finances. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago. God already knew that all of us would be in this room or watching online at this very moment. He planned this long ago. How did he do it? I don't know. He's God. But he did it. <laughs> he did it. And all of us here to hear the one thing that he wants to use you for his glory. He wants to use you for the advancement of the kingdom. And when you do all these things, when you give God your mental capacity, your physical capacity, and your financial capacity, you will begin to soar and excel in your relationship with God. You will be so fulfilled that you're like, I can't believe I wasn't doing this all along. It will bring such joy and such fulfillment. I'm telling you, there's nothing in the world that can compare to being used by God. And when you do get used on all three, I'm telling you, the fulfillment that you feel like you don't feel in your life could be a lack of one of these three areas that we talked about today. So a good, a good takeaway is, what in these three areas do I need to step up my game in? Maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's all three. I don't know. But that's a good question to ask yourself. And I'm telling you, the fulfillment that you're lacking, the longing or the, the emptiness that you feel, is could be because God is not, you, you're not being used by God in one of those areas. And all and one of those three areas that we talked about covers a whole lot of things that I didn't even talk about today. But God wants to have conversations with you. He wants to speak to you. And I'm telling you, the way that I know God speaks to me the most, and usually you as well, is through serving. Because when you're serving, I'm telling you, it brings up all types of stuff in your heart. And nothing can get in your heart like serving. I'm telling you, serve your people at, their, at your house that don't appreciate it. See where that joy goes. See where, that, see where that, that, that smile goes. When you're serving some people that don't appreciate it at your house. When you prepared a hot meal and you expected people to come over and they never show up. I done did all this preparing and cooking and cleaning and then nobody show up. Where's that joy then? What is that? Because when you serve, it brings up what's really in your heart. And it's not a bad thing. It's God says, now I've positioned you, so now I can speak to you. And I want to change those things in your life. But God has created all of us to be used by him. 
He wants to do great things through you, and he will. All you have to do is continue to pursue him and allow him to speak clearly to your heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord God, that you're with us, that you're speaking clearly to us today, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would give you, Lord God, our mental capacity, Lord, our creativity. Lord, you've crafted us and you've made us so fearfully and wonderful, made, wonderfully made in your image. And I thank you, Lord God, that you created us exactly how you wanted us to be, with the right personalities, the right giftings, Lord God. And I bind every lie of the enemy that would try to come against us, Lord God, with any uh, insecurities about the way we think or the way we talk or the, the, the way that we process things. Lord, you created us exactly how you wanted us to be. And Lord, we give you our minds. We give you, Lord God, our bodies and our, and our work, Lord God, that all of our efforts, let it be done unto you. Let our work, Lord God, let us show our faith with our works, but let it be done unto you, not for recognition of man, but to be pleasing to our Father. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for our financial resources. Lord, that we would give to you what's rightfully yours, the tithe, Lord God, that we won't rob you of that. And what a great benefit that you said that you will pour out a blessing if we give it to you, Lord God. And I thank you for the benefits that come with the financial uh, giving, Lord God. I thank you for the blessing that come with serving in our bodies. I thank you for the blessing that comes for giving you our minds, Lord God. The reward is so much greater because it's eternal. We thank you for that eternal re reward, Lord God, that awaits each and every one of us, Lord God. As Paul said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you that you've given us a drive, that we take it by force, Lord God, that we will not be passive in our pursuit of you, that we will not be passive in our faith, Lord God, but that we would take it by force and say, I will cling on to it because you are all that I have and you are all that I need. I thank you for a passion that's stirring in our hearts today, Lord God. Thank you for a passion that's burning in our hearts. We love you, Lord. We honor you. Come on, out of your own mouth. Just lift your hands and tell the Lord how much you love him. Just begin to tell him how much you're thankful for him. Holy Spirit, we're nothing without you. Thank you that you're leading and guiding our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're leading and guiding us in all truth. That you're giving us the strength to continue to move forward, Lord God. Lord, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can bow your head and close your eyes one more time. I want to give a final invitation for anyone that wants to come in right relationship with God. You know, this is your moment. This is your hour. God, he wants you to be, he wants you to be used by him, but first you have to surrender your life. And if you want to surrender your life this morning, whether you're in the room or watching online, I want to pray for you. With no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to come into right relationship with God, maybe you served him at one point, but you backslid and fallen away, but you want to come back to God. I want to pray for you. So with no one looking around, if you want to come into right relationship with God, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. You watching online, you can do the same and just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I come to you as a sinner, laying down all my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Lord, I thank you 
for the free gift of life, of salvation in Jesus. And I thank you that, that the blood that you shed on the cross for me has redeemed me, has purchased me, has cleansed me, has healed me, has delivered me, and set me free. And I pray that from this day forth, I will keep my eyes fixed on you. I will not turn back. 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 I will keep my eyes fixed on you. And I thank you that whatever I walk through, that I know that you're with me and that you'll give me the strength to overcome. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give one more hand clap for those that made that decision to follow Christ. If you're in the room, uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. But on the back, it says, uh, I made a decision. You can fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket on the way out, and we'd love to connect with you. And if you're online, just let us know by commenting in the comment section that you made a decision, or you can email us at info at newlifemobile.org, and we'd love to connect with you as well. Amen. Amen. That was week five. I exist to be used. I exist to be used by God, and God wants to use you. So don't be surprised if you get used. <laughs> but uh, before you guys go online, I want to give you a couple announcements. Uh, the Building New Life uh, campaign, we talked about that a little bit. You could give towards that. You, if you're ready, prepared to give your offering as well, ties and offering, you can give. A couple ways you could do that. You can go to our website at New Life mobile.org. You could give online there, or you could download our app. Also, uh, on Wednesday, uh, June 28th, that's this Wednesday at 6.30, we have prayer, one-hour prayer. You're invited to that. Uh, we'd love to see, have you come out with us, pray with us one hour. It's a powerful time in the Lord. Uh, with other believers, you can come get strengthened, encouraged. It's a great time this Wednesday, 6.30. But also, I need y'all to write down this date. In the room, online, and I'm going to say it until the day it happens. Say, say this with me. Say, August 6th, that's Sunday, at 10 a.m. August 6th, Sunday, at 10 a.m. August 6th, Sunday, at 10 a.m. August 6th, Sunday, at 10 a.m. All right, now see, that's a big Sunday for two reasons. One, it's the three-year anniversary that Tamara and I have been pastors at New Life. But the real, the real reason that it's an important Sunday is because our church is governed by two overseers. So we have Pastor Jonathan Stockstill, who is the senior pastor of Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. And we have Pastor Wayne Brown, who's the executive pastor of Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. They are both Tamara and I's pastors and the overseers of our church, meaning that they hold the trump card in this house, not me. <laughs> but those are our overseers. And Pastor Wayne Brown is going to be in the house Sunday, August 6th at 10 a.m., preaching that Sunday morning. He's going to be down here with his lovely wife, Cece, and their adorable son, Evan. So we want to make sure that that's an important Sunday, that we pack the place out. So that's why I'm giving it to you in advance. And I'm going to say it every Sunday until August the 6th. So make plans to be there. It's going to be a great time. I know he's going to have a haunt time word. And if you've never met him, this would be a great time for you to meet him as well. But that's going to be August 6th, 10 a.m. It's going to be a great, great Sunday. And uh, yes, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be a great time. August 6th, Pastor Wayne Brown will be live in the house preaching that Sunday. Amen. 
All right, so we're going to dismiss with you guys online, but before we do, we're going to pray for those that are prepared to give, and then you guys are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for the tithe. I thank you for those that are given today. I pray that you will bless them, that you would meet all of their needs, that there be no lack in their home. Bless them, strengthen them, encourage them in every area of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Again, we'd like to invite you to prayer this Wednesday at 630. Have a great, great Sunday. We love you guys. Amen. So you can stand to your feet. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over.